feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. There's footage of me as like a three-year-old watching Rage, just so entranced by the songs. I would just sit down like rock back and forth, like to the rhythm of the song. Hey everyone, welcome back to Really Mental, a podcast on mental health and identity, where we want you to know no matter who you are, you're not alone. Amen. Today we've got two beautiful guests on, Matt and Alex. They are amazing people. They are both musicians and producers and they are really close friends with Will. I'm only meeting them for the second time, but they are already beautiful humans. If you could please go and follow, like and subscribe on the podcast on all different platforms, as well as follow us on our social platforms at Really Mental Podcast, at It's Harry Kennedy and Will's is... At I'm Will Hyde. And today we're going to be talking about adulthood. I wanted to start off the conversation with like a really interesting statement slash story that my mum would always tell me about myself. I was always in such a big rush to grow up. And that was like something that I, she had always experienced with me since I was a kid. And that was always just like wanting to be taken seriously by adults, wanting to be act more mature than my age and just this massive rush to not just enjoy being a kid and not enjoy like the benefits of that. And always wanted to grow up, get my own place, do all these different things. And even now she says I'm still like that with wanting to like buy a house by like 20, 21, by working really hard to act like someone who's older. It's a thought that I've never really had personally, but it's something that my mum has noticed throughout my whole life that I've done. You know what I mean, Will? No, I feel you, man. I think that growing up, you know, I wish there was more of a blueprint for it. It looks different for everyone. And that's why I think it's important to have people like Matt and Alex come on and talk about their experiences because I think there's a lot to be learned from older people. I noticed for me, I was always trying to, yeah, similar to Harry, like have big dreams, had big goals, and I think you should chase them. And I was always surrounding myself with people who are older than me. Like naturally, I just got along better with those people, probably because they're more mature and wanted to do the things that I was into. So I think that's important to have those guiding people and Like I was saying before, I really wish there was like a structure on, you know, finding your purpose, finding your path. And as a creative, I'm really excited to take you all behind the scenes on on what that looks like because Matt Corby and Alex Henriksen are two people that have had lots of experience being artists. And I think the one takeaway for any career is if you follow your heart, then you'll end up being in the right place. And I think life's just a journey to figure out how to find and how to follow your heart there's so much noise around us. So yeah, I think with society's expectations, it can feel like you have to make a certain amount of money by the time you reach a certain age. But just know that if you continue to put in work to something consistently to your dream, whether that's getting a house, whether it's getting a dream job of yours, being an astronaut, if you keep plugging away, then you're going to find something along the way that gets you there just statistically, the more days you do it. So I'm interested, Harry, how have you found life as a creative in this industry and how have you navigated the unknowns of growing up? Good question, actually. I think that the biggest thing for me was doing things that I love. And that was like, as an overarching thing, like just doing things that I really love, because when you love something and when you're really passionate about it, it's not going to feel like work and you can allow yourself to be more creative because there isn't that pressure to be doing something you don't really like. 
when I think about it, that's the main thing. I just did stuff that I loved and I tried to put the money aside for a second, even though money is important to live, but I tried to put it aside. And if I focus on every little thing that I loved, if I put enough work into it, which didn't feel like work because I loved it, the money will come. And that's kind of like the relationship with work and money and being a creative. It's really hard because most creatives don't make much too much money. And in a society where you have to have money to live, it could be really disheartening and it can be really stressful, which can block the creative process. But I think that if you remove the side of money from it, you can really understand and really grow at your career, which can actually lead surprisingly to more money later on. What about you, Will? Yeah, I think it's important to understand what drives you and what fulfills you. And I think growing up, it's hard because there's so many indicators that would make us believe that money or jobs would fulfill us in some way. The reality is, is that from what I'm sure Matt and Alex are going to share is that that stuff doesn't make you fulfilled and it's about the process. So are you involved in doing everyday work that actually satisfies you? And that's a you know good question. If we could inspire people out there, I would use an example for me personally, I've been working for around five years, you know, eight, if you really included high school, but I'm just going to do five out of school where it's all I've reinvested, invested in myself, into my career. Now going on next year is the first time I'm going to really be able to live off myself as a creative. So you can do it. And it is a long journey to figuring out who you want to be and what you want to do. That's why I think these podcasts are really important for being a guiding light. And, you know, Matt Corby is someone who's had a prolific career, especially in Australia, also around the world. And you've definitely heard his songs as they played in the intro. And so it's really a privilege for Harry and I to be able to bring these guests on. And hopefully you can take something away that can help you in your journey with growing up. But just, uh, just know no matter who you are, you aren't alone. So with that, we're going to get into our podcast with Matt, Corby, and Alex Henriksen from Rainbow Valley Records. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Just want to let you know we have an Amazon AMP show with amazing guests similar to the podcast. Please go check it out on the Amazon AMP app and follow us at Really Mental. We're going to be hosting our show on Sunday at 7 p.m. PT and 10 p.m. ET. See you there. Woo! Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Matt Corby and Alex Henriksen from Rainbow Valley Records, two people I've been very fortunate enough to work with and also be part of their journey and watch them do their thing, which has been super cool. And it's super exciting to see them on the podcast today with us to chat about adulthood growing up. And I think that today, hopefully we can come out with a conversation that can help give some type of a roadmap for people growing up. Because Harry and I always talk about this, how like we wish we had some type of blueprint to follow, like leaving high school, because at the moment we're just like trying to figure out our shit. First of all, can you both share a bit about yourselves? We'll start with Alex. I think I got into music because mom uh, ran restaurants when I was a kid and had musicians come and play like at her restaurant. And then when I was about 15 is sort of when I found like my own music, you know, like that wasn't stuff just given to me from mom which was like early 2000s. So yeah, that was like punk, hardcore, emo kind of music. That's when I joined a band because I could play a little bit of guitar. I think I could play about three or four chords and just kind of (laughs) 
was you're like, hired. I, yeah, you're hired, basically. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. These these guys are cool. And then that sort of brought me to being 18 when the band kind of broke up and I moved to Brisbane. So I was like, I'm going to be a roadie. And I became a roadie for a couple of years doing like the load in, load outs at festivals. And then I learned how to be a sound guy, like doing front of house stuff. It actually wasn't long after that that I met Matt. So me and Matt became really good friends, basically straight away. We just yeah. like hit it off in in a studio sort of session where we just hung out and talked music <laughs> and talked shop. I think it was like a couple of years maybe after us being friends that we sort of started mucking around just like making music because Matt bought a bunch of like stuff to record with. You know, I sort of knew how to use Logic and stuff like that and Matt was like, learning how to do that maybe he knew a little bit but we probably knew about the same so it was just like interesting to start hooking into that stuff and then that's sort of what started matt and i's you know relationship and career together was just like all right let's just muck around and make some music and that just you know turned into basically the last six years now of making music and making records and it's now led us up to owning our own record label so cool. That's as short as I can probably make quite a long <laughs> story. <laughs> that was really good. I was yeah, admiring yeah. that because anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how do I like condense everything to give you like eight years into like a little quick face? But that was perfect. <laughs> well, that was like almost 27 years in a... <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was good. And what about yeah. you, Matt? I mean, I always loved music. There's there's footage of me as like a three-year-old watching Rage and like just so entranced by the songs. I would just sit there and like rock back and forth like to the rhythm of the song and you couldn't get me to move. And then I remember in grade two, I went and sung for my music teacher, Miss Dale, her name was. Miss Dale. Miss Dale. Shout out, Miss Dale. Shout out for sale. We'd be here without her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You kicked this whole thing off, baby. I sang for her, I think it was like a song from the Sister Act 2 movie. And like, she was like, oh, like, that's pretty good. Like you, should, like, you should come sing for the principal in her office. I was like, all right. And then she was like, oh, she was this lovely principal. That's lovely, Matthew. And then the next day in assembly, the whole school's lined up, little grade two me sitting in my like line. She's like, we have this wonderful, talented student here at the school and oh. he's going to come up and sing for you now. No one told me and they get me up and I'm like shaking like with this microphone and like this like <laughs> mega megaphone thing. It's like the worst PA you've ever seen and just sang for the whole school. I like, just did it. From that point forward, I was just like, oh, you're that singer kid. So I guess like my identity just took a path and like I I did I learned guitar and got singing lessons since I was eight or nine and then that led me to this point where I met this crew that were would tour around and they were like a religious group that would tour around schools and churches and sort of community centers and stuff and in schools they would just preach like a positive message and then try and get kids to come to church on the weekends and then we play at the churches you know and we did that all around Australia in a bus. I joined when I was 14. My parents let me leave school because uh, I wasn't really enjoying school. And I did that for about a year and a half. I got a job at like Subway for half a year because I couldn't get back into my high school in grade 10. And then year 11 came by and my, my dad begged me to, to audition for Idol. Eventually got me along and then that whole saga began. 
And then, yeah, the next phase gets pretty weird because lots of ups and downs, lots of like sort of record label things that, that happen and then didn't happen. And I ended up like, I think at 20, losing a whole bunch of money because I sort of got into a disagreement with a, a guy that ran a, a label in the UK and he sort of pulled the deal that I was offered from underneath me like that next day. And I sort of worked myself up into a bit of debt, spending a lot of time overseas. And then from that point, I don't know, I just worked at a cafe, wrote that EP that ended up doing well that with that had sort of brother on it and started playing those garden shows, which was pretty cool. And we did like, I don't know, 75 of those. <laughs> You know, we're playing sort of 500 capacity rooms, then it sort of started to increase. And then we started to actually tour overseas. And I tried to make a record and sign a big deal, and that kind of failed. And I think that's when I started hanging out with Al after that. I moved to Brisbane. You were like my savior, man. I think I was stuck and like I, I was a bit over music at this point. I wasn't writing a lot, I was sort of just sort of coasting. You were playing pretty massive shows, though, at the time that I met you. I was like, but I think that was the thing too. It's like you'd kind of come from this big industry sort of thing and it was just a world I had no idea about. So I, I don't think, I think it was maybe it was like refreshing for you or something to hang out with someone who just kind of didn't care because I just didn't know. I didn't know about the industry. I didn't care about it. It wasn't something, you know, and I, I think now like looking back and that sort of, you know, understanding that's where you came from. I was just like, fuck it. Let's just have fun you know like there's no we don't need to impress anybody or do anything right yeah i think i saw the dark side super early like mm. um you know that like those talent shows on tv it's just like whatever label sort of gets the the sort of licensing deals or the record deals that are attached to the end of the show with the winners or the contestants like i think it was a good business model you know it's sort of like Six months of marketing someone and getting the Australian public to kind of like like them and then just like hitting them with whatever generic music can you know, other writers can come up with for their singles for a year until the next ones come in. Like, yeah, it's a good money making exercise. It's really horrible for the people involved. I think I had a lot of pressure on me because I'd gained a bit of momentum and then so I didn't really know what to do with it. And I didn't have that. I hadn't done the creative hours yet, I think, to, to yeah. keep it going. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's what buckles artists, I think, too, is like when they've done something cool and then suddenly the industry responds by going, just keep doing that again and again and again. And the artist goes, well, that's not really being an artist. Now I'm just like basically being a McDonald's for myself. That was definitely what you were looking for, Matt. It was just a way to explore uh, and get a bit weird with music and and find and, and carve something that's new out and do a lot of it yourself too because you were learning heaps of instruments at the time like I think you were you were kind of okay at a bunch of them but now looking back like how far you've come over five years of just being persistent in like playing drums playing bass playing different synthesizers learning how they work you know and then you get all these tools so you're not constantly going like oh I wish I could get the best drummer in the world to come play this it's like well I, I'll just do it myself now because like, you know, and, and all those sort of roadblocks that, you know, I think people find when they are trying to be creative, they don't exist if you just put in the hard work and the time to, to learn a bunch of that stuff yourself. What was it like meeting each other for the first time? Like, what did you think of each other? <laughs> when you do sort of look at our backgrounds, we come from pretty different backgrounds. Like yeah. Matt was raised by like, you know, a beautiful family, not to say my family wasn't, but, you know, I never grew up with a dad or anything like that. It, it, Matt has one of the most amazing dads I've ever met. Yeah, legend. 
you know, I was into like really heavy music, really weird music, really different stuff. And then when we sort of sat down, what we actually resonated on was kind of like more like esoteric conversation and even maybe bridging into kind of political and also sort of like conspiracy theories too. We loved talking about those. I think we're not like conspiracy theorists, but we love talking about them. And like, I'm really fascinated by like, I guess, like how people think about them, where do they come from? And we would go as far as like inventing our own ones. Like, I think that was... But just between us, just to yeah, be yeah. like, oh, like this, yeah, this is definitely this. a theory that would exist. Like yeah. if we can think of this, you know, yeah. there's some guy out there that's like, this is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Some people would go hard, but I think we would just like it because it was creative. And that, yeah. and that kind of, I think, is like what, what sort of was the foundation for like music making too. It was like when we first started like actually writing songs, we were doing the worst things possible, doing like, okay, let's stuff, invent yeah. a number for a BPM that is like, really stupid instead of just being like 190 bpm we'd be like let's do 191.74894634 just to like see that so you'd have fun with it yeah exactly and like let's do bars of six and then let's do bars of eight and like let's not have choruses and like you know like it's just it was that rebellion i think is basically what it is to the normal being creative for yourself rather than for other people how have you been able to get yourself to that point because I feel like a lot of creatives try and be creative for other people to like approve of their creativity sometimes rather than being creative because they want to be creative we're a bit stubborn in a lot of ways like if someone was like do this like you can basically forget about it like you know that that was like I think a whole like why we just got along so well as well is like we don't need to be told what to do there doesn't need to be this like end goal to anything of like impressing anyone but our friends and like i think that's the community we came from as well was like all we wanted to impress was our close group of friends it was like that was the people that were like the pinnacle to us and if it happened to get out further than that that's cool but you know it's not really the driving force i wanted to ask was there ever a moment in either of your careers where you were like oh maybe music isn't for me maybe I should quit because I'm not enjoying this or like something around that. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Music's a tough one because your livelihood is based on other people's opinions solely. You can be as good as you can be and still have everyone go, no, I don't like it. It's not, yeah. it's not my vibe. And, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, oh, shit, man. I, you know, like this, this is, a, you know, the culmination of 10 years worth of experience that went into this and like, it's not your vibe. Like, okay, all right, back to the drone board. You know, it's tough. So, yeah, you do get to points where you're like, okay, I'm exhausted. Maybe I should just go and be a chippy or like going to have like a job that like would just be like with my hands and like something that I can clock off at the end of the day and switch my, my mind off. Because I think when you're in sort of music land, you sort of, it's hard to get out. It's, it's so hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, you, becomes a bit of an obsession and it's like this ever-changing moving sort of puzzle kind of got to stay on top of it or something like you got to be yeah. ready to like receive the ideas when they come and, and make sure you, you you somehow like get them into some real space or something i think being um, in a position to get those like ideas as well you know like there is that sort of esoteric nature to songwriting where like you know, where do ideas come from? Is it a mixture of like who and what you are? And then there is a mixture of that, you know, the divine. Um, 
you know, sort of channeling through you or something. And that's where like mental health becomes basically the the pinnacle of whether or not you're going to make anything good. And I'm not to say like if you're in a bad place or anything mentally that you you could still make something good and amazing because that might be the release and the and the the end of that that story for you. But there's so much to do with how your head is to like you know if you can focus in the studio or if you're going to sit down at a drum kit or a piano or or just a computer and just be like my mind is just not here, and that is probably the biggest roadblock. And probably the thing that, yeah, would make me be like, oh, maybe I should just go be a chef um, or something like that, you know, or get back into coffee like I used to, where you, you literally show up at 5 a.m. and you leave at midday mm-hmm. and that's it. There's no more thinking about it. It's not like, oh, you know, customer number 12 today, I didn't really pull his shot very well, so I'm going to sit here like torturing myself over that. <laughs> Whereas there's so many opportunities in music to find ways to torture yourself mm-hmm. um, that kind of at the end of the day, sort of mean nothing, you know, because you can always just go and do something else and like make a new song and then people maybe forget about the last one that you did or something and then just move on. It's so interesting. Like I want to jump in there because I was saying, Harry, I was making something for like eight hours last night and at the end of it, I was like, I don't like this. And I spent like four hours on something else and everything flowed and I really liked what I got out of it. Do you ever think about the fact that like when you're really in the flow of something, like just everything sounds good. Like, do you ever have those moments where it's like, damn, this is, everything's lining up. Like when I put this sample in, it was perfect. Or like when I switched those chords instead of like a guitar, I put a piano and it was great. Do you ever have that and like appreciate those moments as well? Yes, definitely. That's <laughs> like, that's like the drug bit. I think that, it is, you know, I reckon that's almost like a flow state thing when you're operating left and right brain, you're you're like the computer, the music, everything like you're doing is, is intentional. Yeah. I have my little moments in life where like I'll full like shadow box or I'll be like dancing around. And he's like, yo, we got it. It's feeling good. Like (laughs) it's like, you have to be that. That is so important to like, yeah. Have those moments of excitement. Like you're like, find that. I think, I think that's when you're like at peak creativity, like, in search of the thing that makes you feel like happy, like you must be doing something like, right. I don't know. And like to celebrate that moment. Yeah. That's the payoff, especially because I find as well, and I'm interested to see what you all think, but for me personally, as a creative, those points make the self-critical times when it isn't going right. So worth it. Like that, Mm. as you were saying, that's the drug. How do you guys push through those points when you're like, Damn, like everything's just sounding pretty dusty today. Stop. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and refill the cup. I think like, yeah. I don't know where, if I read about it, if I heard about it, but I heard like, you know, Frank Ocean does that. Like he's not like always in the studio. He goes and like experiences life, you know, fills up his his cup of creativity. And I think that's sometimes just all you really need to do. It's like, I think The Alchemist, that book kind of talks about those things. And then there's the movie like Orange County that, kind of reflects on it where that you know everyone's trying to like think that they need something else to become who they truly are and everything that you need you already have you know and if you're not recognizing that then you're just working against the universe and and you're thinking you're better than it or bigger than it and you're not for both of you like or all three of you actually not everyone necessarily listening to this would be in the creative field if you were to describe creativity and both of like upside and the downfall of 
being a creative person, like how would you best describe those emotions and that whole experience? I think it's just, it's so much about balance. Like you really need to find a way to balance everything. And it, it comes down to like all the way to the EQs and compression and the way the song's put together to how your life's put together. If you're out of balance and out of whack, like it's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. Life is never perfect, you know? Like you're not even going to be able to appreciate the wins if you don't have a few losses. Facts. Yeah, it's, I think it's a funny internal battle just to go inside. Like you have to sort of self-motivate. And I think a lot of creative people finding that self-motivation s- stuff is like really hard. I definitely feel moments when the tank is empty and I just like, I'm like, yeah, I got to start. Like I actually, if I keep doing this, I'm just going to like get stressed and frustrated. And that could just be from, oh, I might've just made like three or four tracks in a row that I just wasn't happy with. It's like, ah, no, they're just all, what a waste of a week, you know, but not necessarily because I could come back the next week and then have unlocked some like way that I can put a vibe down just because yeah. of the last sort of three failures that I made. Yeah, I was reading this thing on um, creativity and they were saying creative people need to have breaks to maintain their creativity because when you're always, I feel like, putting something out that's very personal to yourself, there's only so much you can give and give and give to your creativity before it kind of like gets drained, which is what you were kind of explaining of like just looking and not having anything come up. And this was kind of just saying that like the most important, one of the most important things of being creative is actually taking time to rest and taking time to decompress because you're always constantly, I feel like giving and giving and putting yourself out there in like, even if it's not for other people, even yourself, just putting out your emotions through whether it's music, art, all these different creative avenues that could be a thing. It's, it's a lot because especially these days, once you release a song, that's one part of it, then you market it. And if it does well, you react to that. And being a creative these days in whatever field you're in is about being flexible. For instance, two days ago, I was sitting on my couch and I got a DM from uh, someone and she was like, you just got played by like one of the biggest K-pop stars on their live stream, like your song. And I was like, oh, that's so sick. Our reaction and like my reaction for the next few days and up until 3am as well last night is like, responding to that moment and like all these people that now suddenly know the song that in itself is its own challenge because like I was saying before we actually got on this podcast like it's so nice to get a break up from that I think I've been trying to figure out the balance with like managing that it feels like sometimes there's always stuff to do that's the extra stuff even outside of just the song that comes with it I just like had to disengage from all of that completely I think in order to be productive. I think a lot of creative people are so sensitive to how they're being perceived and social media amplifies that so much and then sort of creates probably like two and a half hours per day of unnecessary thinking time. I would hate to try and be breaking my like music career now just because of how entrenched social media is in music sort of marketing I mean, I would recommend for most creative people to pretty much just step back from it. Like, honestly, there's ways you can do it from a distance. Unless you really enjoy like sharing your life. I just, I don't know. I just I just feel like for the sake of your own mental health, I mean, you're already judged enough as it is. 
you know, your art's already there to be judged. It's like, it's like you're going like, yeah, here's my art. Here's my personality. Here's my new hairdo. Here's my fucking here's my life. <laughs> new <laughs> picture that I want to put on something like, and it's just like giving people too much right to, to have an opinion when like they already get to have one with the art form that you're actually trying to contribute to. Yeah. I mean, I don't envy that. Like I don't envy people that are going through that. Cause I think it's like, I think it's a, something you probably need a good shrink for to try and navigate that world. And I definitely am an advocate for finding a good therapist or a psychiatrist or something. I've been seeing someone who's amazing, just like getting to talk through so much stuff that like, you just don't know that is kind of there. I mean, but it, it's the stuff that kind of forms your like fundamental sense of self, like the mental space that you kind of operate in predominantly or like subconsciously which it's been it's been good trying to unravel that and i think a lot of musos probably yeah have a lot of kind of weird trauma with like ego trauma because it's just been like batted around so much and they go one or two ways where they like start flexing how hard or they just fucking freak out and they go no i can't do this anymore so removing yourself from it is great because i don't know how my stuff goes when I put music out, I'm just like, someone calls me like a month later, I really like that song. It's like, oh, cool. Like, cool. Like, that's it. You know, that I would have no idea until we maybe start selling tickets. And like, I'll ask someone who's like, where, where are we going to play a show? <laughs> be like, oh, we can do this. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So it saves me a world of hurt, I think. And even seeing positive stuff fucks with you because it's not real and it's not your business. You know what I mean? Someone else's opinion of you is really not your business. Sadly, with music, it kind of like it is business, but like it's something that you you can't take on. And I think like that's something I'm trying to learn too. And I think I've learned slowly is separating like yourself personally from the work. It's really hard to do, and and I think when you start out, you can't do that because you're like, no, I'm 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 so invested in this, and and like I want to prove to people that I'm competent and my songs are cool and like I'm a good fucking or like whatever it is, you know. So. I think too, like if you spend more time on like actually investing in your craft and whether your craft is music or art or modeling or anything like that, if you actually spent time doing that rather than worrying too much about social media, like show people your shows, show people when you're on a, on a shoot, show people, you know, in a studio, like all that stuff is interesting and fascinating to people and you still get to then go home and be yourself and you don't have to share your all your deepest darkest secrets if you don't want to um or what you've had for breakfast or just your day-to-day kind of living which a lot of people do love sharing and a lot of people love watching but i think as a musician if if you just show you know the actual things that are surrounding the work rather than all the other stuff that's around that you can have that real distinct separation with it all and rather than worrying about it so much, you know, it's like, go and write another song or like call a friend, you know, call somebody who's in your industry and say good day. You never know what that conversation is going to turn into, what that could spark. It could get you a job. It could get you writing music with someone. Everything I think comes from those real outputs rather than like somebody seeing something that you've done on social media. That's more just reminding people that you exist. If your craft is music, don't try and make your craft social media as well because you're just kind of splitting yourself over two areas. Also, I think like it's a really difficult line to walk being a musician, trying to market yourself on social media. I don't think a lot of people really enjoy having musicians be like, hey, buy my single, like, or listen to my thing or whatever. I think there's this need to be validated from people as well, which is where social media comes from being a creative and having those external 
perspectives and having people tell you that you're all like you're great and you're great and you're doing amazing kind of brings out this whole sense of oh I'm on the right path and kind of sense of encouragement I guess which technically isn't really that healthy because you should be comfortable in yourself to do what you want to do rather than getting external validation. Social media is one of the biggest things that I struggle with from an anxiety perspective and overthinking on engagement. How many people are seeing this? Why didn't this do as well? Why didn't people react as good as this? And thinking about all these things to the point where I'll just delete Instagram off my phone. I wanted to ask both of you guys, I saw Matt you and you've said a few times you're not really active on social media. How have you gotten to a point where you've kind of separated yourself from these things that are said to be so vital in a creative's career and in this whole area of your work? I don't know. I think I just kind of, half of it's probably just been luck, to be honest. I did use it at the start. Instagram, like, you know, seven years ago or whatever, when it first came out, I was posting like pictures of like, here's a park I'm in or like. Yeah, I think I saw that ages ago when I was looking. It was like <laughs> yeah. a bird or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was on a boat. I was like, hey, a bird. Like, I missed that Instagram, by the way, real quick. Bring that back. Let's flip the camera. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think over time as well, attention spans have gotten less and less. That's why we've seen the rise of TikTok and video content. And like, I'm looking at it too much. It's taking up too much of my time. And I want to focus my time on the podcast, on the actual things that I do enjoy, not just like staring at a screen the whole time and looking at numbers go up. That's the thing, dude. That's the biggest realization I've had. And it's taken me like a long time to figure that out. And there's this amazing uh, psychologist that talks about this and, and doctor, Dr. Martini. I was reading his book and he talks about how there's two sides to everything. Like we either live in fantasy or phobia. So we just oscillate between the two in life, chasing things external to us or being scared of them and scared of gaining those potential opportunities or whatever it is we don't, we want to avoid. I realized that so much. And the interesting thing is, that really frustrated me for a long time is not being able to enjoy the process because I'm sure we can all agree here that the actual goal that you have in your head, that never actually like feels as good as you think it's going to feel. Like when you get that much money in your bank account because you're like want to get out of home and stuff, it actually doesn't end up satisfying you as, as much as maybe you would think. And so I had that realization that I was getting all these gifts and stuff from the universe of just things going well, but I would never take the time to be like, I'm so grateful for this today. I was so focused on the future, which was the fantasy I, I was living in of, I want to get this to, let's say 10 million streams, which is a complete made up land that I'm living in because that isn't present. I'm trying to take more time to be grateful for the love that we do get and also remind myself of the fact that everything has a yin and yang. Success comes at the cost of having to work so much more and maybe you get super exhausted. It's always this duality that we're experiencing. Alex and I were talking about that the other day. I can tell you too that like doing the opposite is kind of just as bad. And Matt yeah. and I were, were sort of like that. We, we spent five years like barely talking to anyone else. We almost could have got lost in that area too of just like, because we do, we have friends that have gotten lost, you know, who don't want to contribute anymore or it feels like that you know it feels like they've been beaten so it's just totally about finding that middle ground that you're kind of comfortable with and your own sort of channels in which to connect it is just so much about that balance 
I wanted to delve down an area of mental health and ask both of you guys when you first realized you were experiencing some troubles that you realized, oh, like I really need to start taking some time for myself. I've gone through a few stages like that. I think I've done, I've done it properly only recently, post-COVID. I think a lot of people stuck with themselves and then forced to kind of sort a bunch of stuff out that they hadn't sorted out for a long time. It's been really good. It's been good to recognize it and just be like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to go and sort this out like, and just be honest. And Because it's, it's kind of annoying. It's like Because it's like maintenance, really. It's like maintenance yeah. work on your brain. And you have to it just it sort of admit that you're a, you're a failure. Like everyone's a failure. You know? and that's cool. We're all just sort of failing spectacularly together. I think taking that approach with therapy has been good, you know. It's definitely like helped calm my crazy thoughts when I get them. My therapist said that a lot of the Western world hasn't figured out how to calm the mad monkey of the mind. And that's his, his way of sort of talking about it. And everyone has their own sort of mad monkey that, that forces them to either like for to fixate on themselves or, or worry, be in fear, be in regret be depressed that's like that that's the monkey just like basically destroying your your moment that you have in life this constant moment so i think we live in a world that is just so overstimulating and insane that like everyone sort of needs to decompress and readjust and like we are resilient too and and it can become so quickly desensitized and just soldier on i mean look at how quickly majority of us just adapted to life with masks in lockdown, like QR code rules, all that shit that you just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. Like, okay, yeah, I've got mask on here, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I'm just rambling again. How do you tame your monkey though? Like for those listening, what are some things that could help with trying to tame uh, the monkey inside? Don't get advice from me. I think it's more like your monkey is that thing that impedes Social media and the monkey are, are like one. That thought process that you would have about like what's going on there and what does, what does that person think about me? Is it getting likes? You know, but that's the monkey. Also, just like you're a piece of shit, man. You're like, you're never amount to anything. That's the monkey. Like, and I think recognizing that's just like a dumb thought. Not a lot of people are well equipped to even recognize that and, and start to be like, okay, cool. No, shush, shush my brain. I'm just going to reset yeah. and like go and play the go and play the mooc or like <laughs> like go and like build some legos with my kid or like whatever you know and and that's that's kind of how you tame it once you're aware of it you just go oh like give it a name that's what my therapist told me you give your monkey a name i know the conversation i've had with my therapist because this is one of the things we're slowly dealing with is these internal battles with these thoughts it's an idea it's like take it any way you want this is it works for me at least is becoming friends with the monkey i'm going to use the monkey analogy but kind of being really friendly towards it and like allowing it to come in and kind of not being so hesitant and asking it questions like having this internal conversation with why it's being mean why are you saying this stuff like why are you treating yourself badly it breaks it down and it helps me understand okay so like why are you saying this like what it's the reasoning and you just understand it's like this little scared monkey inside of you is kind of just scared and coming from this place of fear. The inner child. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's like, doesn't feel like it's me. It feels like an external being inside of me. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it because you're starting to separate who you really are from 
the thoughts in which attack who you are. If you give that its own space, then you're already creating a barrier. I think that's great. You're re- recognizing it as separate because if you don't recognize it as separate, you'll believe everything that your thoughts tell you. I think a lot of people get stuck in that. And that's why a lot of people get extremely depressed and why a lot of people get extremely anxious. Sometimes their depression and anxiety can be fully justified by the things going on in their life, but that's the monkey. You know what I mean? The monkey's yeah. justifying it. It, it. Sometimes it's hard, but being able to recognize it and separate that and be like, oh, you know, fuck off. What's her name? Monkey, whatever <laughs> you call him or her. Like, if you can keep practicing that, I, th- I think it's, it's kind of like the beginning of meditating, really. If you think too, like that you want to be creative in a good sense, get ready because you're just going to be as creative in a dark sense. And it it's just balances itself out. You push out this so bubble. True. So true. You know, so like that's like the big warning to like creative people. It's like if if you really want to get like really deep on some amazing shit, really get ready because your brain is very capable of coming up with some very creative, dark, dark stuff. And that's super scary. But then again, we wouldn't have some of the best horror movies and some of the most amazing sci-fi if people didn't have those thoughts. But for me, what always gets me out of it, even above that, is my mates. Like nothing beats hanging out with my buddies and talking shit. Literally, that just like reminds me that, you know, no matter what, they've, they've got my back and I've got theirs. And, you know, I've probably got five close friends, you know, really close friends nowadays. Like it's hard to, to keep close friends and to keep running a business and stuff. So I really thrive when I get to see them. I wanted to retrace back to something Alex said earlier and Matt has said as well with trying to impress friends and that should be the main thing that you guys focus on. How have you been able to surround yourself with the right friends and the right group of people? By chance, really. I guess when you meet someone and you vibe with them, that's a friend. I mean, it's all just how you maintain the relationship. You definitely would have found those people like how you two met, like, yeah, you would have just clicked and just been like, "Man, you're you're a G. Yeah, this is awesome. Like, we share a lot of the same ideas. Those are the people that you should trust. It's also just knowing what other people's taste is like. If you respect their taste, you're like, okay, cool. This is let's put this to the test. We're pretty, I would say, like pretty brutal as well with vibes and friends. We're pretty closed off. Neither Matt and I use like social media really at all. I mean, I use Messenger. But I generally call people, as Will would know. If I have like an idea or something, I probably just pick up my phone and I'll call you. And that's sort of how I keep in touch. And it sucks too. Like, you know, we're Matt and I are both 30 now. So even some of our closest friends who did tap out of music and tap out of creativity, sometimes you're not as close anymore, you know, and that kind of sucks. But it's a reality, I guess, of growing up. And it can be hard to keep friends who aren't doing a similar thing to you and you're still doing the thing maybe that was their dream. That's tough. That's really tough to kind of lose those people. But it definitely makes me appreciate the ones that stick around. I talk to Matt probably more than I talk to anyone. We generally talk in the mornings and in the evenings is kind of like the vibe because we're friends first and foremost, but we work together as well. So that's like how we also do work. We like to talk about it. I'm not sending him emails with spreadsheets and stuff like that. We have people that do that for us, which is amazing. And We also have people that interpret that for us, which is amazing as well. And it lets us be real and be human with people. I'm just a big believer in like, you know, staying in touch. And you just never know, like even young Will here, you know, like I talk to him a bunch more than I talk to some of my older friends, you know, just because I know when I call him to talk about mental health or to talk about Eastern medicine or or Reiki or something that I'm going to be met with like 
excitement and, and keenness, not like, oh, that's some hippie bullshit or whatever. You know what I mean? It's Fact. like, yeah, I, I want to talk to friends who are interested in shit that I'm interested in as well. I'm fairly stoic on the outside. I'm not super animated. So I do like to call people who ignite that animation for me <laughs> through them. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting how things change too. And knowing that like you like to call and stuff like that's important because as you get busier as naturally as we do, and like we've all got things we're trying to achieve and different goals, you get less time. It's like that opportunity cost. So it's, it's been cool to watch you both do your thing and Alex as well get super busy. So now I know just to call him instead of sending him a meme from Reddit. <laughs> I think with that, boys, thank you for your time. I want to end it with a simple note yep. of like connection. If there's anything we've learned from COVID, make sure you take the time to like reach out to someone you care about or like just thinking about someone is such a beautiful thing. And I think I just really appreciate how we ended on that note because it's so important. Like no matter what you get up to in life or achieve, the relationships is all we're left with when we're like 80 years old and just chilling in a retirement home. So take care of those yeah. my people. And thank you, Maddie and Alex, so, so much for your time. This conversation had a lot of substance. And for me personally, I feel lived up to the, the fantasy <laughs> I had in my head. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for your time. No worries, guys. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. So I really, really loved that chat with Matt and Alex. I took a lot of different things out of it. I think the main thing was the hardships that social media brings to people's mental health. And I know even for me specifically, like social media has really made me doubt myself a lot because I've been comparing myself to a lot of people and worrying about things like engagement. If people are seeing this, what are they thinking? Is this the right post to be putting out for my brand? Like all these things that have like piled up over time and giving me, given me immense anxiety and stress. But I think what's helped is taking a step back and like allocating breaks. So like on the weekends, not really using social media, potentially deleting social media off my phone just so I can have that break and I can have that downtime off it. And I know Matt and Alex have both said that they barely use social media. They're not really on it. How have you found your relationship with social media as being Will? Yeah, I think that it's really interesting hearing from Matt and Alex. They have some wisdom in the sense that they have been able to live life without it. And it wasn't as big back then. And so we got to see the perspective of people who aren't on it and their reasoning behind it. And I think it's really healthy to take those breaks and it's something I'm figuring out, you know, even going into having a holiday next week, it's like, feels weird that I'm like, not going to post, like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm so used to having to be switched on all the time. I think as well, just the lastly for me, another takeaway I found was we touched on friends towards the end of the podcast and we only spoke about it for a bit, but I just want to reiterate the fact that that's so important outside of the work and our busy lives, like when things settle down, it's really what we're left with is the people in our life. So it's so important to keep track of those friendships, take care of those relationships and look out for people, check up on someone that uh, you haven't spoken to in a while that you appreciate. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Really Mental. Thank you. And no matter who you are, know that you're not alone. Make sure you follow us and leave a review of this podcast. Follow us on social media at Really Mental Podcast. 
follow Harry at It's Harry Kennedy and me at I Am Will Hyde. And we're still trying to figure out our community name for the Really Mental family. So if you have any ideas for our community, our squad, let us know. DM us on Instagram and yeah, just know whoever you are, there's somebody there that appreciates you and and is looking forward to hearing from you. So make sure you reach out. Any last thoughts, Harry? Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing. Like if you are struggling and you're going through a hard time, both I know Will and I highly recommend going to get professional help. And even if you aren't struggling, I found for myself going to see someone who was a professional in this field, even when I wasn't going through hard times, allowed me to discover new things and really grow as a human. Sweet. See you next week. Special guest coming. Bye, sexy people. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I just want to end this episode today, Will, by like talking directly to the audience saying like, if you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course, feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.